1: Friends, this is Jeff and Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministries, and today's program is sponsored by Crane Transport of Oakwood, Georgia. Crane is a family-owned, faith-based trucking company. They have over 300 trucks and over 800 trailers, and they're looking for some great drivers that want to drive for a good company making good money. Crane Transport has a great reputation for service. So drivers, if you're looking for a company, that will consider you family, I recommend Crane Transport. Check out their website, cranetransport/inc.com or give them a call, 770-532-0057. You can call and talk with Will Rogers, the safety and compliance trainer. He wants to hear from you and answer any questions you might have. And he will also pray for you He wants to be a help to you drivers out there on the road. So friends, check out Crane Transport slash INC.com and then call Will Rogers, 770-532-0057, extension 3281. You'll be glad you do it. our life isn't it Darrell? It sure is. Yeah I'll tell you what now we love riding up and down this old lonesome road with you drivers out there and we're so thankful that you let us in the cab with you.
2: We are we just don't like riding across Arkansas that I-30 is just too rough.
1: <laughs> it's a washboard for sure it but sure is when you're riding in a truck like this you hardly even feel it
2: you don't back in the days when i drove that old cab over with no air ride i couldn't even pick my nose going down through here i poked my eyeball out from the inside
1: <laughs> yeah it was pretty tough uh back in those days back before cb radio but hey you know who we got in the cab with us today our good friend yeah terry hopkins is riding along with us today and we're gonna hear a message that he preached. This is preaching, friends, and some of the best preaching you're ever going to hear.
2: It is. And, hey, driver, how about turning that radio on? We're going to listen to a couple of songs. Then we're going to listen to our good friend, Terry Hopkins. How about a couple of
1: songs by our partner and good friend, Dennis McKay, the McKay Project, Darrell?
2: I'll go ahead and cook y'all supper while we get rolling down the road. Come on, Dennis, get on up
1: here in the cab with us and ride along with us in the cab with these drivers. Oh, that
2: sounds like fun, man. You got that thermos full of good hot coffee?
1: Yes, sir, Dennis. The coffee is hot and steaming. Daryl's back there cooking us up something to eat. So let's put on a song by Dennis McKay. This is a song he wrote called Barstools to a Church Pew. Here's the McKay project.
0: Every Friday night we'd find him Right up to closing time Sitting on a bar stool Beneath the neon sign Yeah, he'd be pouring whiskey down Sorrows try to drown. But he came a long way from a bar stool to a church pew. Thought I'd never see the day. He'd be the first one up on Sunday morning. And the first to kneel and pray. Yeah, he came along. Every Sunday night you can find him Yeah, he's always right on time Yeah, he's sitting on a church pew With his hands raised up high And when he shouts amen Can't believe that's really him. He came a long way from a bar stool to a church pew. I thought I'd never see the day. He'd be the first one up on Sunday morning, adding the first to kneel and pray. He came a long way. Oh long
1: Barstool to a Church Pew, Dennis McKay, The McKay Project. That's off of our Lonesome Road Volume 1 CD, and you can order that off of our website, lonesomeroad.org. How about another song off of our Lonesome Road Volume 1 CD? And this is Dennis McKay singing a song that I got to help write called Midnight in My Life. Here's The McKay Project.
0: i e All right.
1: Tell you, we have uh, one of the most powerful testimonies that you're ever going to hear on today's program.
2: That's right. Awesome man of God, Terry Hopkins, out of Georgia.
1: You'll never meet a better man or
2: a nicer lady than his wife, Betty. She really is a precious lady. And you know, like Betty and my wife, Joyce, and your wife, Linda, they listen to God's voice first. Amen.
1: Amen. That's you know, true.
2: They, they, you know, don't ever. Uh, sell a woman short when it comes to being close to God in her prayers, you know, God just listens to him. He does. Probably because they got a lot smarter things to say than we do. <laughs> but you know, when we talk about Terry Hopkins,
1: Terry was an old hippie Ooh. and he was also, uh, well, you know what hippies do.
2: <laughs> yeah. They've been known to smoke a little dope and do all yeah. that other stuff. We never did that. No, but we've heard of no, people doing we've... it. Well,
1: yeah. actually, we might have done a few things. So We're not
2: bragging on that. We're bragging on Jesus.
1: Amen. But, God changed us, and he changed Terry Hopkins, and he made Terry the man that he is today. What an awesome man. He's been all over the world preaching the gospel.
2: And, and it's it's not just preaching. It's being an example to other people. Yeah. I can't tell you how many drivers through the years that we've given this CD to them and it's changed their lives. It not only changed their lives, it changed the lives of their family Mm -hmm. because Terry Hopkins is an example of what God can do with an old drugged out hippie and a drunk. Amen. So listen to this message today and I'm sure you'll agree it is an awesome story and testimony. That's right. Here's our good friend, Terry Hopkins.
3: Uh, When Gary Rabin called me And said, "Uh, I've got a CD of yours, and I might need to let you know. I'm sending this thing out all over the nation and getting telephone calls from all over. And said, "Uh, I just wanted, and I said, Brother, that's amazing. That's wonderful. He said, Well, can I put your phone number on there? You need to get some of these calls, and you need to be blessed. And I said, Brother, that'd be a blessing. Ever since, my phone rings every week. It can be California, it can be Texas, Wisconsin, South Carolina, Georgia. but calls the people that are listening to these CDs and that are getting saved, uh, getting right with God, or God's putting their marriage together again. I had a a preacher call me from Rome, Georgia, and want me to come up and preach for him. And he said, well, let me tell you how I know who you are. I said, okay. He said, I went to a business meeting in Alabama, and he said, this guy gives me this CD he said, I want you to listen to it. If you're not going to listen to it, he said, don't take it. So he said, well, I'll listen to it. So he said he took it, and about halfway home, he said he looked at it, he was already saved. He said, I told that guy, I'd listen to this. So he said he put it in, and said about halfway through, he had to pull over on the side of the road. And he said, God, I am so sorry. He said, I know, I know without a doubt, you've been calling me to preach And God, I want to surrender my life right here, give my life to you. And God, I want you to use me the way you see fit and the way you want to. When I went up there to preach, not only had he started and planted a church, he had a thrift store. He had a house given to him that he started for women that had no place to go, a homeless shelter for ladies. And then he began to pray and said, "God, there's men up here who don't have nowhere to stay. And if we had a house to put those men in, we'd put those men in that house." And he said it wasn't no time. God gave them gave them another house to house homeless men. And then he said, "Well, God, we got everything except a house for the children." He said, "We need a home." He said, "We don't need a home. We need a farm." Uh, Because there's so many children out here that now are homeless because marriages are separated and uh, said God, we, we just need to build a home for these children and They gave him a house on a farm and Then he said all I need now is somebody to run that house and to be in that house and to help those children A couple of months ago he called and said God has sent the lady to take over this So this one man got this one CD in Alabama and was headed back to Cedartown, Georgia, and God so moved in his life that he surrendered his life. Now, the night I went up there, some of the ladies he'd rescued out of this sex trafficking got saved. So it was just absolutely... These CDs, Bob, Gary, Linda, guys... It is absolutely, I know y'all know, but just in my own life, God has used that so greatly, so great, and continues to. Now, if you're out there listening this morning, or tonight, I'm going to read you a little scripture. Uh, It's in the book of Acts, and then it said, Then Saul, still breathing out, threatens and murder against the disciples of the Lord, "...went into the high priest and asked letters for him to the synagogue of Damascus, so that if he found any who were in the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone round about him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I'm Jesus. Who are you persecuting?" Is it hard for you to kick against the goats? And he said, trembling and astonished, Lord, what would you have me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you are told to do. Now, if you just heard that scripture, we're talking about a murderer here that has just met jesus on the damascus road and asked one of the greatest questions that could ever be asked by any person anywhere at any time lord what would you have me to do and you may be there this morning and you go i don't even talk to the lord well that's what i want you to do this morning i want you to right now ask in your own heart just lord what would you have me to do and then i want you to listen because i've got the answer I know what God wants you to do. I grew up in a home where there was no God. I grew up in a home uh, with a drunkard, where it was fighting with a man that hurt my mom, hurt my sisters, hurt me. And I thought if there was a God, he wasn't a good God, or he'd just kill my daddy, and stop him from beating my mom and doing all this. And so my thought of God was, I just didn't think there was one, and if there was one, I didn't want to know him. I didn't want any part of it. But I knew one thing, I wanted out of that house. And so by the time I was a young teenager, I had been in so much trouble and started getting into more trouble. I just want to tell you, I didn't have to leave. My daddy asked me to leave. So I left, Uh, had nowhere to go, had nowhere to live. Small town. And, and, and the boys that I ran with were already into a lot of things and they were going to be hippies. Uh, and, and so I thought that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to hang with these guys. Well, those guys taught me uh, about drugs and started using alcohol and started getting in more and more trouble and more and more trouble. Uh, ended up out uh, stealing. Uh, boys were stealing cows and uh, they'd go at two or three o'clock in the morning and I went with them. And, and uh, they take those calves and they'd tie them up, put them in the trunk of a Dodge Charger. And I can tell you from experience, you can get five calves in the trunk of a 1969 Dodge Charger. And they would take them and sell them, but I wouldn't take a dime. I just wouldn't do it. For whatever reason, I didn't take any money. So when they got caught, and which they did, they went to jail. I mean, that's a federal offense. They went to jail. Well, I thought they are going to tell on me, and the only reason they didn't was because I didn't take any of the money. But I thought it was time to get out of that town, and I had acquired a 1955 Oldsmobile. Uh, and the guy that didn't like me very much had set it on fire and burned the seats out of it. <laughs> so I had to sit on a Coca-Cola crate and drive that 55 Oldsmobile, had an 8-track tape player in it, and I decided Atlanta was where I was going. That was about two hours up the road, and I thought, that'll be far enough. And I got in that Oldsmobile sitting on that Coca-Cola crate, and and listen, I was listening to Grand Funk Railroad, and, and my hair literally would just about blow out the back window of that Oldsmobile. And when I got to Atlanta, I found out they would sell you drugs uh, uh, they would give you drugs or front them to you and you would sell them and bring them back the money. So I started selling drugs in Atlanta and I began to spiral downward. I met this lady, I went to West Georgia College not to go to school but to sell drugs and I saw a girl down there and, and I'm gonna tell you what's true. I thought now if I had her, I, I'd make something out of myself. I would be somebody. And, and I started talking to her, and she, she was foolish enough to talk to me, but she wouldn't date me, and, and, and I came back a second time, and she still wouldn't. Third time was a charm. And I tell people, when a girl will date you, and you're driving a 55 Oldsmobile with a Coca-Cola crate in it, it's serious. And so she, she did, and then as time went by, I grew closer, and listen, uh, I asked her to marry me, and, and and she said yes. And so she was going to take me home to meet her mom and dad. And so we were going down, and we realized I lived in Elberton, She lived in Fort Sonia. We only we grew up 10 miles apart, but never knew each other until I went selling drugs. So when we came through Elberton and into Fort Sonia, Betty said, you see that Gulf station right there? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, my daddy owns that. And I said, well, that's cool. And she went on down the road, a couple hundred yards, and she said, that road right there turns off, goes to my daddy's farm. That's where our house is, where we live. And I said, well, that's nice. Went on down the river road right before you got to Broad River. And she said, you turn in right here, my daddy owns that whole uh, corner right there, Uh, all those woods, everything. I said, well... That's nice. We crossed over the bridge into Wilts County. And Betty said, my daddy owns from right there at the river all the way up to the dirt road up here. And I said, Betty, how how long has he owned this? She said, since I was a little girl, as long as I can remember. And I said, oh, God, Betty. And she said, what? I said, Betty, we stole your daddy's cows. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's the truth we, we, we did we had went there and we had stolen her daddy's cows I didn't know Betty I didn't know her daddy but I knew that farm and, and Mr. Madden he, he was such a good man he was a saved man who deacon in the church and uh, he didn't like the way I looked. and he didn't like me and uh but somebody asked me one time said well did you ever tell Betty's daddy that you stole his cows and I said, if Jesus hadn't told him, he still don't know. I said, no, I, I didn't tell him. So I, I just, we got married. I, I did what I said I would do. I cut my hair. I got a job. Betty got a job. We started a family. We bought a new home. We built a swimming pool. I was still drinking a lot, not doing as much drugs. But I had everything that the world had told me I had to have to be happy. And I was one of the most unhappy men, I guess, on planet Earth. And as time went on, we got worse and worse. Betty and I didn't go to church. The kids rode a church bus, uh, but we wouldn't go to church. We would send them. We gave somebody else the responsibility of doing that. We didn't do that. And so time went on. Things got worse and worse and worse. And thank God there was a man that loved me enough, that cared enough about me, to come to my home, not after those kids had ridden a week or two or a month or two, they'd been riding that bus for like three years. And he came to my house for one reason. He came to my house to tell me about Jesus. But when he called me to the fence, I didn't know who he was and I didn't know what he wanted. But he knew who he was and he knew what he wanted to do. And he said, Mr. Hopkins, he said, "Uh, I'm John Vickery and I'm from the church. And I said, "Uh, well, let me tell you something. I I said, you can just stop right there. I said, I got a brand new truck out there. I know where your church is. I know how to get there. And I said, let me tell you what. I said, if I want to go, I'll go. And he said, church, you think I came down here to invite you to church? And I said, well, that's what you people do, isn't it? And he looked at me and he said, man, church won't help you. And I was offended. I said, what do you mean church won't help me? He said, man, church ain't going to help you. I didn't come to invite you to church. I said, well, what are you doing? He said, I just want five minutes of your time. I'll tell you what can help you, but it's not church. (laughs) I said, I'll give you five minutes. I wanted to hear what he had to say and why he would tell me that church wouldn't help me. I knew I was bad, but I was offended at that. And I said, you come on back. And when we got back there, had my half gallon of rum sitting there, sitting by the pool, and John said, Well, I'm the bus minister. I'm minister over all the buses and the bus that comes by your house. And I said, well, uh, and I looked at that rum bottle and honest to goodness, it looked like it was four feet tall and this big around. And he said, Terry, I told you I would take five minutes. And he said, I got five minutes now. Can I have that? I said, you can have it. He asked me the dumbest question I thought I'd ever been asked. He said, when's your birthday? I said, my birthday is July the 4th. He said, man, everybody celebrates your birthday. I said, man, I don't know about everybody. I know I do. And he said, so you were born July the 4th. And I said, yes, sir. He said, you seem mighty sure of that. I said, I am. I was born July the 4th. And uh, he said, well, Terry, he said, would you read a verse out of the Bible, just one verse for me? And, and I was afraid to say no. And I, I, I said, Well, yeah, and he handed the Bible and pointed to John 3, 3, where Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He said, Terry, now who said that? I said, Jesus said it. He said, what did he say you must do? I said, be born again. He said, to go where? I said, it says the kingdom of God. And he said, Terry, you reckon that's heaven? And I said, look, mister, I knew before you got here, I'm not going to heaven. I'm going to hell, and I understand that I'm going to hell, and, and, and I've accepted that. And he said, but Terry, Terry, Terry now, now we're down to why I'm here. He said, I'm down here. I got good news. He said, I've come to tell you, you don't have to go. You haven't got to go to hell. He said, Terry, I've got about two minutes left. He said, I want to tell you what you need to do. Jesus did everything. He did everything that had to happen on that cross. He shed his blood said he suffered for you, he suffered shame for you, said he was nailed on that cross naked and bled, and he said, Terry, he said, Jesus Christ said you must be born again. Your part is the easiest part because he's done everything. He said, Terry, repent, and thank God he didn't tell me now you need to Uh, go to Sunday school and quit drinking this rum and you'll be all right with God because that wasn't the truth. He said, Terry, repentance means you need to tell God, God, you're right. And God, I'm wrong. And God, I'm a sinner. And God, I'm sorry. And he said, Terry, when you can be sorry for your sins and you can be honest with God and say, God, you're holy and God, I'm not. He said, Terry, that's repentance. That's real repentance. That's true repentance. He said, so you got to repent, Terry. He said, then for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, Terry, you got to believe that Jesus Christ not only died for the whole world you got to believe that Jesus Christ died for you. It was personal. He knew you. He knew what you were going to do. He knew you would sit here and you'd say you deserve to go to hell. But he went to that cross and paid for your sins anyway. My sins, your sins. But, Terry, you got to realize it's got to come down to he died on that cross for you. And he said, Terry, now the easiest part of his all, Jesus said as many as received him, he gives them the power power to become even as the sons of God. He said, Terry, you ever seen Jesus? I said, no, man, I ain't never seen Jesus. He said, you ever heard him ever talk to you? I said, no. He said, then if you accept Jesus Christ, will it be by faith, without seeing, without hearing? I said, I reckon it would be. And he said, Terry, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? I said, no, no, I don't. He said, well, I'm done. He said, can I pray? I said, yeah, you can pray, but you don't have to pray for me. Well, the rascal prayed, and he prayed for me. And and he shook my hand and left. And I sat back down by my pool, and I thought, you know, I I wasn't doing too bad before he got here. And now here he has come down here, and now I'm sitting here feeling like I'm thinking to drop off into hell any second. And, and uh, what in the world is going on? I got up and went in the house and found Betty. And I said, Betty, she said, was that guy, was that one of those guys from the church? I said, yeah, but I want to ask you something. She said, what? I said, Betty, do you think I could go to heaven? She said, Lord, No. Because she knew me. She knew what I was. She knew who I was. And I said, Betty, if what that guy told me is the truth, I can go to heaven. You can go to heaven. Anybody can go to heaven. She said, what did he tell you? And I repeated it all. And she said, well, that makes more sense than anything else I've ever heard. And let me tell you out there, my life didn't get better from that point. It got worse. Our marriage, that was in May of 1982. Our marriage began to spiral down. I began to, I was sick of myself, I was sick of sin. Uh, God continued to uh, speak to my heart. He continued to love me. Uh, I was so convicted. And the more convicted I was, it seemed like the farther I wanted to run from God, I remember coming home and being so drunk, I couldn't, had to close one eye to get the lines in the road. I remember one time I came in so drunk, and I was just like my daddy used to be. I, I picked Betty up in an argument and threw at her a sliding glass door. And thank God she didn't go through it, but I could have killed her. In my heart, I was as much a murderer as, as, as Saul was, that we talked about in the beginning of this. And I was so miserable. And it just spiraled down and down and down. Our kids were gone for the weekend. So I took Betty with me on July the 17th. I drug her in and out of bars. And got home that night and I'd made up my mind. I said, Betty, I said, I want that ring. And I took her ring off and, and I skinned her finger, bloodied her finger, taking that ring off. And I said, I, 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 I don't want to be buried. I don't want this house. I don't want these children. I'm going to go back down to mom and daddy's to their farm, and I'm just going to pitch me a tent, grow some pot, drink liquor, die. That's what I had in my mind for my future. I couldn't see anything but bad. I was too drunk to leave, so I laid down on the couch, passed out about 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Betty woke me up. And I sat up, and I said, what's wrong? She said, I know what's wrong. And I said, what? She said, I know what we need. And I said, what? She said, Terry, we need Jesus. I said, I, I don't need Jesus. I need a drink. I got my rum bottle and went out and turned the light on, sitting at the pool. Betty said that and She must have confessed everything she ever did. And finally, I said, well, hey, whatever. I said, I'm going to lay back down. I got back to the door where I had tried to throw her out of. And she said, Terry, pray for me. We didn't say a blessing at our house, but I was afraid not to. And I said, I, I'll try. She got on her knees and she said, please get on your knees. And I got on my knees and I don't remember exactly what I prayed, but it was something like, God, I don't know what's going on. Betty says she wants you. She was a good girl for her. I messed her up and I hope she finds whatever she's looking for. Went to bed next morning. Kids wasn't there. She got up. She went to church. She got saved that morning. She called me from that church and she said, I'm so glad you didn't leave home. She said, Terry, I got saved. And I said, whoa, 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 saved save from what? She said, Terry, I got saved. God saved me. I said, where are you? She said, I'm in Swanee, Georgia. And I said, Do you mean between here and Swanee, you ran up on God? She said, don't leave. I got to tell you about this. She came home. She walked through that door the Shekinah glory of God was shining on her face. That was not the same woman that left a few hours before. Without saying a word, I could tell she was different. And she sat on that couch and held my hand. She said, Terry, God loves you. I love you. I couldn't understand why God would love me. I couldn't understand why Betty would love me. But I knew she was telling me the truth. And she was Finally told me everything she said when she went to the altar and everything that, and she said, uh, I said, "Betty, I said, let's go get something to eat." I thought if she was eating, she'd shut up, but she didn't. She just kept talking. and that Sunday night, that Sunday afternoon, she got dressed again, and I said, "What are you doing?" She said, "I'm going to church." I said, "For what?" I said, "Betty, you went this morning, don't drive a thing in the ground." I had not had a drink all day, which was a miracle. I I just couldn't, I I just wouldn't. Uh, And I couldn't figure out what all was going on. Here, Betty said she was saved, and here she was going back to church, and here I was at home. And I began a conversation with God. And and, and I I said, I I, I can understand Betty getting saved. She was a good woman. I messed her up, I take that responsibility. And, and I sat up in the window and, uh, out of our bedroom and looked and saw the cars coming down the road. And God reminded me how many nights she must have sat there, two, three, four o'clock in the morning, waiting for me to come home, not knowing what shape I was in, not knowing if I was going to hurt her or not, if I was going to hurt one of the children or not. I mean and it began to just break my heart for the first time. I didn't just see it as it was my right to do what I wanted to do. I began to see that it was wrong, and that I was wrong, and that what I was doing was so wrong. I went out in the backyard trying to just get away from it, and the neighbors were fighting, and I thought, I always said I wouldn't ever be like my daddy, and it's almost like God said, no, you're worse. And I thought, Lord, I don't know what's going on here, but I said, this is, this is awful. Betty came home that night, walked in the house, same light, same joy, sat downstairs beside me, and she said, finally, she said, well, she could tell I was wrestling with something, and she said, "Well, how about if I fix you something to eat? I said, well, that'll work. She went upstairs, and I began my last conversation as a lost man. I said, God, I cannot make you any promises. Now, if I promise you I'm going to church I'm not going. If I promise you that I'm not going to drink anymore, I'm lying. If I promise you I'm going to be a good husband, I'm not. If I promise you I'm going to be a good daddy, that's just not happening. God, I, I can't make you any promises. I'm just a liar. And it was like God said, Terry, I don't want your promises. I want you. And I thought, God, why would you want me? And Betty came back downstairs and she said, Are you all right? I said, No, no, I'm not all right. And I said it just like this I said, Betty, I'm through fighting God. I'm not fighting with God anymore. I'm done. And I looked her eye to eye. I didn't get on my knees. I didn't say a sinner's prayer. I looked Betty face to face, eye to eye, and I said, Betty, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And it's like all the hell went out. It's like all the heaven came in. All the dark went out. All the light came in. I stood up, walked across that room, turned around and looked at Betty. And I said, Betty, God saved me. And Betty was just crying and nodding and going, "Uh uh-huh. And for the first time in my life, I felt the love of God. I felt the peace of God. I felt the power of God. And I didn't know what in the world to do with it. And I said, well, Betty, let's go to bed. Went upstairs and laid in that bed, and those tears ran down in my ears, and I just said, God, thank you. I've always went with the wrong crowd, to the wrong place, did the wrong thing. But God, tonight, this is it. This is what I want. This is, Lord. What would you have me to do? I knew what the Lord wanted me to do. The same thing he wanted the Apostle Paul to do. The same thing he would want you to do. He wanted me to be saved. He loved me enough to want to have me forever. And he did everything that it took for it. And he sent that man that God bless John that loved me enough to come down there and take the time to tell me about Jesus. I woke up that next morning and Betty was laying over there, looked like an angel laying there in that bed. And I said, Betty! She jumped up and said, what? I said, are you still saved? She said, well, are yes, are you? I said, well, yes, I am. And I said, Betty, this is wonderful. I looked out that window and that was the bluest sky I had ever seen in my life. The whitest clouds, the air smelled so good. It was just like a whole new world. Lord, what would you have me to do? He said, Terry, I'd have you to come to the foot of the cross. I'd have you to bow and accept what my son Jesus did for you. He didn't want my promises. He didn't want my works. I didn't have any. He didn't want, I couldn't give him anything. I couldn't give him anything except the one thing that he wanted. And the one thing he wanted was me. And I just said, Lord. So then, after being saved, and and this resonated in my heart, I laid in that bed that night and I said, Thank you so many times. I finally said, Lord, thank you is not enough. Lord, if you ever need somebody to do something, I'm your man, I'll do it. I didn't have a clue what I was saying. I didn't know he was gonna take an old drunk and a druggie and a hippie and send him all over this world to China, uh, oh, to Germany, to Ukraine, to, to do what? To tell those precious people there's a God and his name is Jesus and he died on a cross and all he wants you to do is repent and all he wants you to do is believe that he did it for you and by faith he wants you to come to him so that when you die you can go to him forever and forever and forever. And listen, so this morning... I'm asking you, do you understand that what it is God wants you to do? God simply wants you to come to him with a brokenness of God. You're right and I'm wrong. We'd have to be a liar on top of everything else to say, God, you're not right. I am. That's what I did for 32 years and that's the most miserable life on this planet, is living without Jesus Christ. Then I asked the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do? And he's kept Betty and I busy for over 30 years. Doing what? Telling people what Jesus Christ did for us. Now, I'm gonna ask you, you may be driving down the road, it doesn't matter. You may be sitting home on a couch, uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you're at. Well, when that guy said Terry, church won't help you, he was sure telling me the truth. And I didn't have to go to church, man. That's a good place to hear the gospel, and it's right to go. And since I got saved, I love to go. But I didn't have to go there to meet Jesus. I didn't have to go to church where I thought He was. He came to me, and I don't care where you're at. I'm telling you right now, Jesus Christ will come to you wherever you're at. Paul was a murderer. That had nothing to do with his salvation. God wanted him to be a witness. And he was so thankful for his salvation that he gave the rest of his life to telling that story. To King Agrippa, to governors, to people, to the down and outers. So I'm asking you now. Today, would you just say, Lord, I know what you want me to do. And Lord, I I do repent. And Lord, I am so sorry. And I do believe you're right. I know you're right. And Lord, I know I'm wrong. But Lord, today, I see what you did. I believe in that cross. I believe in what you did on that cross. And I believe, Lord, you did it for me. And right now, by faith, I accept you as my Lord, as my God, and as my Savior. And I'm telling you on the authority of the Word of God, if you've just done that, you've got Jesus' Word, that He just wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that He'll change everything about you. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. I got saved on a Sunday night about 11 o'clock. I never had another drink of liquor. I never did any more drugs. God changed everything about me. I mean, he took all that. And that daddy I hated so much, he came to see Betty and I get baptized. And God saved my daddy. He was 61 years old. And I'll tell you something, he lived 15 years after that. He never had another drink. He loved my mama. He was one of the sweetest, kindest gentlemen that you could have ever met in your life. And I loved my daddy, and my daddy loved me. The night he got saved in that altar and got up, I saw that same glow that I'd seen in Betty. I got another glimpse of Jesus, but this time it was in my daddy. And I'm sure I had, but I could never remember having kissed my daddy. And that night I kissed my daddy on his forehead. Fifteen years later, when he said, Terry, you've been down here 15 days, he said, I'm going He said, I'm going home, and I want you to go home. He said, I want you to go take care of Betty. I want you to go take care of them boys. And he said, Terry, will you pray for them? And I said, Daddy, I really would like it if you'd pray. I wanted to hear him pray. And Daddy touched heaven. And he got through praying, and those nurses were just weeping. And I bent over kissed my daddy on his forehead. And I said, Daddy, I'm going to go home. I'm going to take care of Betty. I'm going to take care of the kids. And it's coming today, after I fall at the feet of Jesus, that I'm going to see that precious, wonderful daddy of mine again. And I so look forward to that. And Mom got saved. And God's done a work in our family, and God's done a work in our life. And and Betty and I, i ripped that ring off her finger that night. March the 16th, our children threw us a surprise 40th wedding anniversary. It's not something that just works for a little while. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. God, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And it's a power to witness. So what does God want us to do? Lord, what would you have me to do? Get saved today. Then ask him again, Lord, what would you have me to do now? He said, just tell everybody what I did for you. That's all you got to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your son, for Jesus, loved us, died on the cross for us, bore our sins. You are worthy. You are the lamb of God and you were sacrificed for us. And Lord, we thank you for that. And so, Lord, I just thank you today, Lord, that once again we can share that. And Lord, I pray every person, Lord, that under the sound of my voice this morning would just ask themselves, Lord, what would you have me to do? Be saved? Or if you're saved, Lord, what would you have me to do? Go tell somebody. Give out one of these CDs. But get the message out that Jesus saves. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we praise you. And Father, we pray all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.
4: At the darkest of days I was lost without hope Just an old sinner thief at the end of my rope In my mind was a scripture many times I had scorned While down the road they led Jesus, they claimed virgin born. That day I met Jesus, hanging there on a tree. I heard as He spoke and He beckoned to me. I left a lifetime of misery hanging there, don't you see? That day I met Jesus, that day He saved me. nothing to do that would alter my past. That's when I knew that this day was my last. They nailed this man Jesus on a cross next to me. There I opened my heart, new life to receive. That day I met Jesus hanging there Big That day I met Jesus, that day he saved me.
1: Well, friends, we want to thank you for letting us ride along with you in the cab. And if you prayed that prayer with Terry Hopkins, then we want to hear from you. We've got some CDs, we got some Bibles, we got some help for you out there on that old lonesome road.
2: Drivers, the Bible says, I know the plans I have for you. And when you get in the will of God, life is easy to live for God. I'm not saying it's the easiest thing in the world to do, but I'll tell you this, when you're not in the will of God, life is tough. So if you say that prayer, give us a call at Lonesome Road Ministries. 618-383-2107
1: Log on to our website, LonesomeRoad.org. We want to send you free CDs to help you as you travel and to strengthen you in this brand new walk. If you'd like to give Dennis McKay a call and talk to him, his phone number is
0: 662-889-2829.
1: And drivers, obedience equals blessings. You want God's blessings? Then be obedient to what he's calling you to do. And he's calling each and every one of us to surrender our hearts to Him. And that's what you just did if you prayed that prayer. And we're going to end today's program with my testimony in song. It's called At the Foot of the Tree. And this is Dennis McKay to sing it for you.
0: At the crossroads of life Lost without hope 18 wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Those eighteen wheels are rolling. at the foot of the cross, broken hearted and lonesome, so long I'd been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree.
1: hear from you my phone number is 618-383-2107 or you can call chaplain dennis mckay
2: 662-889-2829 or you can give chaplain daryl spicer a call 615-663-3199
1: and we'll be in the cab with you next week
2: that's right i'll be right here with gary and
0: with daryl shifting gears and drinking coffee that's
2: it yeah we'll talk at you later there you go Thank you.
0: Pittsburgh rolling down that Easter Seaboard. I got my diesel turned up and she running like never before. Well, there's a speed zone ahead, alright, but I don't see a cop in sight. Six days on the road and I'ma go make it on tonight. I got me ten forward gears and a Georgia Overdrive. I don't need no peels, cause my eyes are open wide. I just passed a favo and a white. I've been passing everything in sight. Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight. all right six days on the road and i'm a gonna make it on tonight well my rig's a little low but that don't mean she's slow there's a flame from a stack and the smoke's blowing black as cold well my hometown's a coming in sight, and if you think i'm happy you're right Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight. Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight. I said six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight. Look out, mama here! I go.